Okay, here with uh, Nikki Pusey today, and we're gonna have a wonderful conversation about how Nikki has uh, self-developed herself, and also the people around her. And she's gonna tell us more about her job and her career, and yeah, how she's future-proofed herself and her business. And obviously, very interested to find out about some of the stories along the way, uh, what great advice you've been given, and with hindsight, um, as we always say, which is a wonderful thing, um, what would you have done differently? And then we'll finish off with, okay, so what are perhaps Nikki's future, future plans to, to make sure that she continues to stay relevant and value um, in her business and also with all the people that she works with? So first of all, I'd like to say, hello, Nikki, how are you? Hello, David, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good, I'm very good, thank you. Lovely sunny day today. Um, you can tell that because the, the sun's shining a little bit sort of uh, on the, uh, the shiny bit up here. So uh, I've got The sun always shines on the righteous. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. Um, so to start us off with, um, a brief sort of overview of your, your, your career. Okay, so very, I, I'm actually sacked from my first job. So I, yeah, I'm just, I was determined, I didn't want to go to college. I got a job when I was 16 against my mother's better judgment. And at the end of the summer, he sacked me um, because he obviously wanted to sort of just school, uh, turn time labour. So I ended up going to college and doing the, the BTEC National Diploma in Business Studies. So it's actually the best thing that happened to me. At the time, I didn't know that. Um, so I, I did PA skills in it because I thought it was a useful thing to have. Um, my first job was um, with Clairol, the hair people. Um, and I worked in the marketing department, which was just such an amazing job to do. At my, I was not 18. Um, I was the guinea pig for all the hair colours. And I loved it. But my boss used to say, to, I used to do shorthand and he'd say to me, that's not what I'd say. And I'd say, that's exactly what you said. Look, I wrote it. Can you read it? So I think we sort of realised that maybe being a PA wasn't necessarily for me. Um, but I couldn't get a job in sales with them because I was too young. So being the feisty person that I am, I thought, well, I'll go and get a job somewhere else. So I went to work for Fabergé, which we all know as Brute. <laughs> wow. Um, which was all, oh, um, back to gone, David. <laughs> it was really awful. I um, wasn't getting given any training. I spent all my time in a car, um, driving around, right, driving around uh, London on my own, and I just hated it. So one day, I wandered in the Heights Street in Slough, and I went into an employment agency, and they said, have you thought about doing recruitment? And I was like, no, not really. Um, and then went to another one and they said, have you thought about doing recruitment? And I went, no, but I like them a bit more. So that's how I started in recruitment. I was 19. Um, I ended up going to a company called Brook Street, who were fantastic. Um, Gosh, yeah, I remember, yeah. That's how my recruitment career took off. Wow. And um, that was, so that was a fair few years ago. So yeah. Tell us what your current um, role and position and company is now. Um, well, a bit of a snapshot from that. I then set up another business in 1989 for two guys who had no recruitment experience. And we built that up to three officers and I think it was about 40 million turnover. Um, but unfortunately, around 2002, um, things went really pear-shaped with them. Um, they, they, were, they were fighting. There were two directors fighting and I was the mistress of the marriage. And in the end, I was actually work for six months with stress which was pretty 
hard because we just moved house and I was the main breadwinner um, and they chose not to pay me. So that was a really, really painful time for me. Made me question whether I wanted to do recruitment, um, whether I was any good at it. And I sort of went through a whole process and then happened to meet James Metzger, who's the director of Signet at church. And he said, have you thought about doing it on your own? So 2003, um, that's when I set up Signet. And the idea was for it to be quite a small business. Um, and it ended up, I mean, we had 15 staff in, in the last, well, probably about three years ago. Yeah. Um, and it was a lot, it's been a lot bigger than I expected it to be. Obviously it's not quite like that at the moment. Yes. But I think I'm, I think we've hit about 2.8 million turnover at, at one point. Yeah. Um, but we've had to keep changing because the recruitment market is very changeable. Yeah, yeah. And what sort of areas do you specialise in terms of recruitment? Any particular uh, we, industries or, or types of roles? Not industry, but sector. So we, we look with marketing, HR and finance. Yeah. And mainly sort of, I don't know, I say sort of 40k salaries and above. Yes, um, yeah. That's our sort of core market. And actually we changed our model last year. We, we, we did a big exercise and we looked at all the business we had and actually realised that we were spending a lot of time on doing low, volume, low revenue business. Um, so we took, it was a brave decision to say we're not going to do that anymore. And in actual fact, in terms of our average placement value, and it, it's been about 40% higher this year, yeah. doing less of it. So we've, our whole mantra last year was less is more. I like that. Yeah, and sometimes, yeah, because otherwise sometimes it's less, less. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, we all know that feeling at the moment. Yeah. But um, yeah, but it is also yeah, just focusing on the things that really do matter and make a difference, rather than just throwing mud at the wall. Yeah, yeah. it's hard because you have to turn business away sometimes as well. Yes, but that's actually sometimes a nice feeling because you know you're doing the right thing. Yeah. Um, I, think powerful. I think it's powerful. People respect you if you say, actually, no, we're not the right people to, to do this for you. There's other people who do a better job than us. Yeah, yes, yeah. And also, it, it never works if you try and bluff it too far. Um, you can get yourself into all sorts of problems. Yeah. So, what do you wish you'd have known at the start of your career that you know now? Um, I think probably that authenticity is absolutely okay. I think I was very much brought up with this, in this particularly in the, um, the role that I set up the business where I had to have this front and people weren't allowed to know your weaknesses or you know, your vulnerabilities. And I, and I actually think the, the more mature I've become, I've realized that actually there's nothing wrong in being vulnerable or, or authentic and actually makes you probably a better, a better leader, certainly. Yes. Yeah, and just being you as a person. Yeah, I'm not worried about being me, whereas I was constantly, I can remember feedback when I was the regional director there, that people would say, you know, we don't really know you, we don't know what you do at home, and, you know, we don't know what you do in your social life, and I'd say, well, that's nothing to do with work, and that's yes. not true anymore. Yeah. And on that journey, what was the best piece of advice that you've been given by somebody um, in your career? Do you know what, the, probably the best bit of advice is my dad. Oh, Inspect to gain respect. Yeah. Yeah, you've got to give it before you receive it. Because I'm very much the trust first person, which is nothing wrong in that. 
but if someone tells me they've done something i tend to believe them because yeah. i want to and i've learned now you need to say show me yes yeah yeah well that's because you had two sons and i have a daughter <laughs> yeah oh yeah definitely with Josh. <laughs> when you've got a daughter you learn it really quickly you have to ask like three or four questions and then you do get the answer yeah 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 <laughs> ask the right question in a different way <laughs> i bet you can read your two sons like a book yeah very different i mean you know josh is is much he's got his big personalities you know but he's a lot more of an introvert yeah. and risk averse yeah dan's very confident and yeah they're both yeah i can read them both quite well i can read my son like a book but my daughter given up he's a woman david you're never going to you know <laughs> yeah yeah um and anything you've done differently looking back sort of setting up your business being in the um, group I, no, I think the one thing, this is it, what, you know, what you said earlier about making you think. I think I, I was 21 when I set up that business. I mean, when I think wow. about it now, I was 21. They gave me a deck chair and a phone, and I was on my own in the office five days a week. I had to lock the door to go to, to get some lunch. When I think of that, I think I must have been absolutely bonkers. But I think at 21, I thought I could do everything. So I was like, but what I didn't do was negotiate the right package for myself. So I didn't have any shares in the business. Mm. And that promise kept being told to me. And of course that never happened. So I think I was very loyal to them for a very long time. And I probably should have left earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Setting up Signet was the best thing I did, I've ever done. But I don't think I would have done, I don't want to mention the name of the business I worked for. but the oh, sure was was very much i felt was my business anyway so yes i felt like i was a traitor yeah but, you know, i didn't when i left there was no plan for me to set up signa it was part of the journey i was on um but yeah i think i'm i think i trusted too easily when i was yeah. young and sometimes that is just that learning to ask those few extra questions isn't it you can still trust them but you can just validate that trust by asking those extra questions. You know, it's a bit like when you're doing recruitment interviewing. How, how good are you at project management? Oh, I'm brilliant. Yeah. You've got to ask those, you know, probing questions. And I think that that takes that takes quite a lot of time to, to realize. Yeah, I mean, competency interviewing is, is absolutely, that's part of our Signet's DNA. And I think that's really one of the reasons why we've been very successful in the people we place staying where they are, because yeah. you don't do that. Anybody can say, you're good at project management. Yes, well. yeah. Tell, yeah, me a a job. Yeah. Tell me about a project that you've run then and how, how you did it. Yeah, yeah, very much so. So what, what bits have you enjoyed the most and you're most pleased that you've done, that you've gone, yeah, that was, that was good? I think I, I do like the, the thrill of, so even setting up that's the first business, there's something very exciting about that because you can only go up, can't you? You can, you know, you start from scratch in your building. Um, and I think that I had that same buzz when I set up Signet because it was nothing. And so everything we, everything I did was, a was taken as, you know, up the, up the, up the ladder. So I, and I loved that. Um, I got really excited about it. Um, so I think I've learned that I quite like building things. Yeah. Lego, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the thrill of winning business and, and doing a good yeah, job. Yeah, I still do. That to me is the, the best part of the job is, is the, is that client you know getting that new client 
but I mean the candidate's just as important as well. I think if you genuinely feel that you've got a role that is right for somebody, yeah. that can really come through because they help change their career and life. Yeah. And, and unfortunately we have quite a bad press really as recruiters. I think if you if you are a good one and you do a good job, you are I mean I, I can remember one girl that I placed her twelve 12 years ago in her first HR job. She's VP of a global technology business now. And I love that because I can think, well, I helped you get your first job. Yeah. That's yeah. a story. Yeah. The trouble is now most of our clients and candidates are becoming a retiring. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that, that's a great lead on to the next question is, what advice would you give yourself or someone that's setting up their own business or perhaps getting into recruitment at the moment for the future, what advice would you give them? I think running a recruitment business and being a good recruitment consultant are two different things. Yeah. So I think you can be a really good recruiter. Um, and I think, I don't think that's changed. I think if you, I think they're trying to say that technology is, is, is sort of going to be the thing that pushes recruitment forward. It's, it's an enabler fundamentally that whole thing of are you right for that business needs the human touch and I, and I don't think that's ever going to go um, and I think if it does then that's a real shame because you just said about this is one of the most important decisions somebody makes so it needs to be well thought so I'm yeah, when I talk about um, younger recruiters who they say well we don't do face-to-face -face interviewing you know we don't do and I'm I'm so passionate about it and I'm never going to change from that because it, I make, I've learned that I've had to move on. It used to be face to face and now it's face to face like this. Um, but I think that core, I think that's really important. And if I was, you know, if Dan said he was going to set up a recruitment business, that would be something I'd really encourage him to do. Um, and I think you, you have to, there's another little mantra I have, which is you do the right thing even if it costs you. Yeah. So you have to remember you're dealing with people. So yeah. you to put the person first you know and I've got I could give you a few examples where we've had clients which we don't often have where there's a problem with a candidate ownership and I think it's happened twice and I've walked away and said that's fine have the candidate because I'm not going to be responsible for somebody losing a job because two agencies are arguing about a fee yeah so I think you have to have your values right I think you have to passionately believe what you're doing um, I think you need to know your market know what you're talking about and if you don't know tell them you don't know i think i'm just going back to what i said there's nothing wrong in saying i don't know yeah there's no quick easy fix no but make sure you've got somebody else running the business for you who's good at finance because if you don't get the finance right in your recruitment business and typically at the moment obviously i'm on lots of calls about recruitment businesses and that it's a cash flow limit cash flow is the major problem and they're, they're talking about you know 40 50 percent of recruitment businesses going bust and that's not because they don't do a good job. That's because they haven't been well run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously the recruitment business, as you said, has changed a lot in recent years. Oh my gosh, yeah. And given circum current circumstances, that's been fast-tracked in lots of industries even quicker. How do you feel the recruitment business will look in the next sort of year, 18 months, two years? I think the... Um, IR35 change is it was really important. I, it, do you know what? I think people are saying that uh, it's, this is a black swan or a V, so we've gone really down and we're going to go way up, bounce back. 
I, what I can tell you is the week, two weeks before this happened, we had our strongest pipeline we've had for years. Mm. It's obviously very encouraging. Um, but what I think we're going to have is going to happen is the interim market is going to grow quickly. Yeah, I think so. Not enough people are going to need to have people quickly and they haven't got time to go through the process. Plus, heads are being cut where they can't, they don't really want to drop, cut the head. And also, I think that there is going to be, a, there is a challenge with people applying for permanent jobs at the moment. So I think the interim market will come back more quickly. Yeah. That's what everybody's saying in the, in the sector. Yes. And I also think, you know, some people that have been looking for, you know, work and jobs, you know, before the, the coronavirus, that uh, they've always been looking for that perfect job, you know, to be fully employed. And, you know, I've often said to them, and we have conversations about, well, perhaps, you know, an interim role would be better for you to prove your worth and demonstrate yeah. your value to get your, your feet in, in there. Um, you know, you can't all spend all your time looking for that perfect job to come no. along. Um, and especially with certain generations, um, you know, need to be a lot more adaptable and flexible in dealing with that. I think the, the more mature market, which obviously, you know, I know we've been doing this work with you about Future Proof Yourself. And, you know, I think the one we did in February about um, was there was an age bracket there, um, but a sort of level of person in their sort of senior their career. And I think that that the interim market's a really big potential for them because yeah, yeah. they've got such a lot of skill. Yeah. And actually a lot of the time don't necessarily want to work at that senior level. They're happy to work here, but they obviously got the knowledge to elevate themselves. Yeah. I think the interim market is 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 a really solid place for someone to, to start if they're in, if they're not, not working. Yeah. Okay, that's brilliant. So that's a lot of great information about how you've developed, how you've grown, how you've future-proofed yourself and, and managed and grown your business and you as a person. And we've just started then to talk about, you know, sort of the, the recruitment market changing and what's going to happen in the near future. So anything that um, you're very mindful of and you're starting to think about and work on that's going to help, you know, future-proof Nikki and, and, and herself and how she going to continue to to develop herself and, and manage herself? I love learning, so that's part of me. I, I I really feel that you know, and I in the business when I'm with other people who teach me, you know, I encourage people to to teach me as well. I think the day you think you've learned everything is the day you should just stop anyway because you never have. Yeah. I think I've, I'm naturally inquisitive about learning, so I always want to be looking at things differently. Um, I'm very open. I think you know that about me. I'm very open to listening. Yes. Um, and I think you just, you've got to be constantly thinking ahead of the market. I mean, when we, years ago, I mean, this must be 10 years ago, I changed the model of Signet. So we had consultants and resources and nobody was doing that. Everybody does that now, you know, so that was great then because I was ahead of the game. What is actually more of a challenge now is being ahead of the game. Yeah. <laughs> it, that's 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 what I think is for me. You know, I listen to Daniel, who's obviously in recruitment, and, and how he does things. So Daniel's your your oldest son. Daniel's my oldest son, who's runs the interim division for um, an HR recruitment business. So it's healthy competition. Good. Um, and but he's not doing. When we talk about it, he doesn't do anything different really to what I do. You know, he's not he's not changed the wheel massively. Um, apart from he's got a business that runs a lot of groups and facilitates lots of, you know, 
conversations that he gets the, the he gets the kudos for that yeah. um, but i think in the terms of the reason he's successful is because he does actually do the face-to-face -face and all that side of it i think you've got to be i think the danger of recruitment is if we'd have stayed as we if i if signet was now today what i set up 17 we wouldn't have a business we wouldn't have a business if signet was still trying to be what it was five years ago yeah because the market so what what recruitment now is about a narrow market that's what people want so if you don't if you ignore that you're going to fail and yes. i think we probably nearly did that at one point um and i think you've got to accept that talent internal talent is here to stay um linkedin all those things but there it still doesn't alter the fact that you've got your own network yeah. and your relationships nobody can replace that nah. you have to work with it there's no point you know the people i've spoken to this morning are talent acquisition managers for for their companies but they're wise enough to know they can't do everything themselves yeah yeah, yeah. that support yes so yeah. you've got to evolve that around what the internal talent team wants so by giving them things that they can't get elsewhere yeah so it's constantly you know adapting changing yes. being flexible as you say you know networking well to find out what how other people work and develop and being one step ahead and yeah making those changes because sometimes we can you know what's the word um procrastinate in the way that we've always done it and as you said you've had to change your business model several times um you'll have read this who moved my cheese yes <laughs> you know it, it's at the moment it's so relevant isn't it because you've got you know we've had our cheese and then it's like the cheese has gone now so we can ask yeah. and go into panic mode or we're going to be like i think it's him and he eventually goes out and finds more cheese um and i think that's i mean at the moment it's probably one of the most challenging bits of my parts of my career but in, in some ways it's quite exciting because it's making me be more creative and look at things differently and like this onboarding project it, i just suddenly thought well what can i do that's different and yeah. get people to talk about it and it's people really want to talk about it so it's i thought you can't just sit there hoping the cheese is going to come back because it's not yeah that's very wise words okay brilliant well thank you very much for your time um, anybody listening to this would like to get in contact with Nikki, if you're watching this on YouTube or LinkedIn, you will see all her details and you can access her or just contact me and I can pass you on the details. If you're listening to this on the podcast, um, so if you can just do your, your full name and the company and your email address um, so people can just grab a pen uh, if they're listening to this on the podcast at the moment. Okay, so it's Nikki, N-I-C-K-Y dot Pusey, P-U-S for sugar, E-Y, at Signet, S-I-G-N-E-T, resources dot co dot UK. Um, my phone number is 07760462600. And you're based in Maidenhead. Yeah. But we yes. come from the UK, so doesn't, that's just our base location. Yeah, yeah. And we're based at the moment, does it, David? <laughs> <laughs> no, that is very, very true. So thank you very much for your time. It's been a, a, a privilege you. to uh, have your time and uh, ha have a conversation with you. So um, thank you. And I look forward to speaking to you soon. Thanks, David.